You're listening to Red Nation Online. Can he get this one at the byline? He can. Plays it back in for Jovinko. It's two. Created by Aro. Well, fitting justice that he finds himself on the score sheet. Magnificent move from TFC. Sunday, February 25th, it's EMB Sports, Aaron Nielsen, I'm Ian Clark, and this officially marks Season 10 of Eastside Stand Up as we kick it off with our 2018 TFC Season Preview. Maybe a week late as the Champions League has begun, but we wrap the 2-0 win into our analysis as we look at the upcoming season with the overarching question of can Toronto do even more this year? We look at the key additions, who our main competition is, and what our expectations are for 2018. It's all that and more on the next 50 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. This is the official season preview um, since the, I guess, obviously, the biggest podcast and win in TFC history, the MLS Cup. Two episodes since then, you, know, you and I did, uh, you, know, you were on the one that was the year in the view, and then we did the one that was sort of the Sigma showcase. Well, that, uh, that was ours, the Sigma one. Yeah, and yeah, then and I then think there's a bit of TFC Paul, in there. Paul, were you with Paul with the season review? Yeah, season review before that with Paul, and then this sort of tradition. Last year we did the preview at the opening, the first game of the year against Real Salt Lake. Yeah. Um, but this year we're getting it ahead of time and also not totally a season preview because Toronto played a game right. this week. But, um, you know, before we get started, just to flag this, this is season 10. Yeah. Season 10 for Eastside Stand Up. I mean, not a lot of not a lot of things last 10 years. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. In the, whatever, I guess you call it, the podcasting realm or in, even in the land of TFC. <laughs> nothing, nothing certainly last 10 years. Just to note that as we kick this off, this is, I guess, this is the start of... Uh, yeah, what, uh, some guy who's keeping stats for TFC noticed that I think Bono is now the all-time win leader in TFC history. And then I guess Azario is the guy who scored in all tournaments. That yeah, he's been four or something like that. Yeah, he's the first to score. Well, we qualify, I guess we play potentially in four tournaments. He's the first one to score in those four tournaments. But it was interesting. The only reason I mentioned this is because names like Fry and Covermans and, you know, names of the past were on that thing. And now that we're in this sort of new generation of TFC, it's hard to bring back those names into a conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you're, you know, you're doing your history of 10 years or there's a record that we got to break or something like that. Because I do think that there is a sort of year zero is, is going to be a couple of years ago and going forward I don't think much is going to be remembered from <laughs> year no, I one mean, to year yeah, eight I, or whatever you so. know the things that we sort of set in those first uh, maybe nine years of like this was a great moment yeah doesn't seem like such a great you know yeah, I mean yeah. the things that we categorize well, it's like it's great. like having a conversation Blue Jays pre-92 right like very few people still have that in their memory as Oh yeah, we were a team back then. Oh yeah, drive drive eighty five, even eighty four, yeah, right? Yeah, even eighty four was yeah, a great season. Yeah. And that was a funny. The funny thing that you know, I'll throw this in because you know, you and I sometimes have well, or not sometimes we do a banter before the podcast, and we're at Football Factory, yeah. which is also fitting that this is where this podcast is taking place. And the Barcelona game was on. Oh and yeah. We kind of yeah. made a funny joke where it was like, 
<laughs> you said, wouldn't it, what would you, like, she's like, you were like, what would you be doing if you were doing a podcast on Barcelona? How boring would that be? And I go, I gotta be honest, like, tr- I'm not used to yeah, having yeah, a Toronto yeah. Sea podcast that's sort of like, hey, we're good. We're like, good. what are we gonna complain about? Yeah. Um, you're spoiling, you're spoiling the rest of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, no, not so, you know, I think we try to be, try yeah. to keep it fair and balanced, yeah, like, not yeah. blowing too much smoke. But, I mean, I think that's kind of, like, one of the things I would say is that it's definitely, like, a, the shift and change over the last three years, maybe, to where we are now has just been, you know, sometimes you got to pinch yourself. Sure. To be like, this sure. is, wow, this is where we're at. And, and, but it's also, it's refreshing and it's great because I think, I think this is what we've always wanted. Yeah. In terms of, like, the, yeah. like the discussions we want to have. We want to have sophisticated discussions about Toronto FC and football and MLS and all that. And, and we haven't been able to have it. Yeah. We've had to. Yeah. We've had to be like, oh, aren't our, isn't our support great? And yeah. and just like, isn't this wasn't this one goal superb? And now it's, you can really talk about. We can almost talk about all eleven players on the pitch, sure. um, to an extent, without really griping on any weak links and whatnot. And that's just something that I think, you know, definitely twelve years ago, or if we're talking about the podcast, yeah. ten years ago. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to those early podcasts that we did, really, we spent most of those podcasts bitching about the front office, then even talking oh, the about football. I think the interesting thing for me is. Sure, I'm a supporter of TFC, and I guess you would come say a fan of TFC, but I've always watched TFC as a sort of microcosm of MLS. And so when I watch a TFC game, it's almost like TFC is constantly changing, but MLS is sort of a static thing. And I think that's almost unfair now, right? Because we see, you know, as we'll probably go into the podcast, because Toronto did play at MLS side in their Champions, CONCACAF Champions League game, it just seems to me that the league is not keeping up with what Toronto FC is doing, and I think part of that is is this Toronto FC is doing so much, right? And yeah. I think it's almost unfair where six years ago, five years ago, when I first started doing the podcast, we could talk about the league based on how Toronto was competing against, and now it's almost unfair to judge other teams compared to Toronto because Toronto is just so far ahead of everybody, yeah. right? So yeah. it's it's almost so we're going to be feeling. I think the you know, one of the things for the podcast is we might be a little bit negative towards the league as a whole. But again, I think that's more to the credit of what Toronto FC is capable of doing than necessarily what how the league's improved or, or changed in the past, you know, five, ten years or so. Yeah, and so if we kind of get it like a, you know, segue into the part that's the season preview, and as we said off the top, I mean, we played a game already. Yeah. And so that, that factors into, I mean, I guess we had obviously had the preseason, we have the CONCACAF Champions League, which is something we haven't seen in many years. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it makes me remember, I think I've said this on the podcast, but it's been many years since we've had to cover the Champions yeah, sure, League sure, on this sure. podcast. And I Although, can remember- to be honest, historically, it's been one of my favorite tournaments to watch. Like We, we also had the experience of Montreal doing very well in it a couple of years ago, too. But... You know, even, you know, I remember Plata, we, we've mentioned it, like in the in the past at the end of the podcast, we would have name your favorite moment or name a historical, you know, kind of a look at the past. And yeah, even the games against No Blow Ecuador, or, yeah, I mean, yeah. or no, sorry, No Blow, you know, El oh, Salvador. Yeah, yeah. It was fun, right? Yeah. Especially where we were comparable to the regular season, right? Yeah. Like, like I remember tweeting jokes back then saying, why don't we destroy the El Salvador Because <laughs> we're more competitive in this league than we are in the MLS. Yeah, but, I mean, I, we would come in here for the games against, like, a Rabbi Unido, and I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think, a couple names are eluding me, right? Toro, yeah, right? Yeah, Toro, yeah. So it'd be, you know, a, week, a weekday game at 10 o'clock kickoff. Yeah. We're the, and then, you know, in the middle of a, the team sucks, right? Yeah. So, we're at the football. There's nobody here. 
And the poor girl just wants to close the bar. And these, you know, a couple of us jerks are here sitting here until 12, 12. And we're doing, and then we do the podcast. And she's like, can I please go? And we're like, no, man, we got, got to finish this podcast. It's really important because we won a game. Like, it's, fuck's sake. So, all right, so then just to kind of like do a quick part on this, you know, it looks like Toronto will advance through um, the, the first leg against Colorado. I mean, the things that I think you may have that are a welcome sight to see after the MLS Cup win mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, would there be a hangover? How would they come out? Always, all, I'm always happy to see Osorio on the pitch and contributing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jovinko scores a goal. And uh, and it's from all accounts, it was a controlled game by Toronto. And, and yeah, well, good to see I, I would on the say road. I would say first credit to both teams, but credit to Toronto to play in that condition, right? Like I think you know traditionally in most soccer that would probably be canceled because um, you know it's minus 13 degrees Celsius. I think the field was partly frozen. So you know, but that being said, once the game kicked off and Toronto played Toronto's way, it didn't seem it, it, you know it didn't seem that the conditions affected them negatively and you know I, I would say that Colorado was a very hard-working team and tried but you know Toronto controlled the game most of the game and uh, you know and and I think it was you know to be fair it wasn't probably Colorado's best 11 um, I think there might have been a couple guys missing from Toronto but I think it's a good representation of what we should expect this season because I would say, for lack of a better term, there's a defensive nature by our opponents now in MLS. That they're afraid of the capabilities of uh, Javinko, Vasquez, uh, and Eltador. So they're giving us a lot of space, and Toronto's capable of taking advantage of that space. So it's a different sort of thing where I think last year teams were might not be giving us, especially at the beginning of last year, I don't think teams gave us the full amount of respect. So it was us kind of struggling and then dominating towards the end of the game. Sure. I think now you'll see an equivalent, you know, we use the Barcelona example, maybe not to that extent, but I think you'll see a lot of Toronto games feel like, you know, when a Barcelona or a Chelsea or a Man City play against a weaker team in that league, where a team knows that the only way they can beat this team one-on-one is, is if they get, you know, play back, take advantages of, of mishaps and stuff like that. Ironically, there were a few mishaps in the Toronto game, but just to show you the quality of MLS, yeah. that they weren't able to take, you know, take advantages. And that's maybe still the difference between the Premier League and the MLS, is if Burnley, you know, if Arfield or someone like sure. that had the same opportunity as Badgie, he might, you know, be more clinical with it. But, um, you know, I think Toronto knows that. Like, I, I think they know they can get away. And, and, you know, I guess the only question would be is, you know, do they become too confident, too cocky, right? But... You know, again, if that's your worst issue, yeah, I, I take that any day. Holy shit! And the one thing that you know, we again we talked about before the podcast started, and I think you know, obviously ties in with the season preview, and we kind of said it at the start of this the the, or the Colorado recap was that um, that I think is important and something to watch as we start this season is uh, an MLS Cup hangover and how determined. And we, we said this last year too, after we lost the MLS Cup. Yeah. You know, how determined would they be to right that wrong? And holy shit, did they ever. So uh, my question, you know, one of my overarching questions and something I'll probably reiterate at the end of the podcast is how determined are we to go win back-to-back? How determined are they to go down in history? I think the team right now is playing with a great sense of confidence. And so I think that confidence is allowing them to play 
be more motivated because number one, they feel that if they do what they do, they will succeed. And they're having fun. I think they're having fun out, you know, despite being playing in minus 13 degrees weather, I think they're having fun out there. And I think, you know, the interesting thing is by signing players like Javinko and Eltador, I don't think they're like, oh, we're relieved we finally won it. I think they probably thought they should have won it every single season they've ever been in MLS. And so I think their determination is a bit different, right? Like, I think they don't feel concerned or afraid of any opponent. And I think it will take a team, you know, we even saw that a bit last year. I think it will take an opponent to upset them, surprise them, to really get them saying, oh, hey, we got to... You know, take we, it up another level. Yeah, we got to take this more seriously or something like that. But, you know, as it looks right now, I don't <laughs> I don't really see that necessarily happening. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. I think, I think it's going to be, what, carnival football or what do they call it? Like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. friendly football throughout sure. the season. So um, that's my, you know, that's my take right now. Yeah, and it's like, so if I can smoothly transition this, because if, you know, in the, in the sense of a preview... Of course, let's, let's go into now Toronto FC specific. Sure. And if we talk about the roster, um, the makeup of the team, and what we expect going on the season, let's see if I can get to this point quickly. Then we have some players going out, which of course we have Shaveru leaving, which is, you know, he wasn't, I wouldn't say he was like a key player last year, but his, that, you know, break in case of emergency sure. was invaluable. Um, Beta Shore and Cooper leaving with a few other guys. And then the players coming in, and and I'll mention them all, but the first one I'll mention because the way you kind of talked about the league and, you know, the competition we're up against, I didn't quite see any signing that kind of matches the experience level of Gregory Vanderveel. Okay, okay. Which is something I think is worth mentioning with, you know, where Toronto's sitting is like, you know, you know, new offseason goes through. Toronto brings in a guy who's won Eredivisie titles. He's won yeah. league. He was, he was the on that kick-ass PSG team starting and you know and we talk about how the league changes Um, you know I didn't see I don't know if I saw any signings with that kind of resume that when we're talking comparison to Toronto I think think you know what I'm getting at I think in terms of like you know who are we up against who's going to surprise us and then you know Toronto still start that's a starting point of this conversation you know the, the players that leave you know you bring in Vanderveel or the key players anyways are Vanderveel or Junior and then Agar this year's Vasquez, Aaron. <laughs> Agar, I'm gonna. I think it's. I'm gonna say. Is it a Keche? Okay. Sure. I know how to say Pincho. <laughs> They're from the same region, so okay. I, I think a T. Uh, what is it? A T and X is a Ch okay. sound. So I'm gonna say a Keche. Sure. Anyone feel free to correct us sooner than later. But let's start with. Let's start. I mean, you know, you uh, give you some analysis opportunity for Vanderveel and maybe a Keche. Yeah. Well, I think with. Um, I agree with you to cert- to a lot of extent in terms of your analysis of Vanderveel. I wouldn't make him a high-profile signing than, say, Barco with Atlanta because I think um, right now Barco has certainly more upside but, but more potential talent on the field than, Vander, than what you might expect from a Vanderbilt. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what Vanderbilt could do. I think one of the things that surprised me with Vasquez last year was, and what you see a lot of the signings this year, was just his comfortable comfortability on the ball, his touch, and all this kind of stuff. So to me, like, Vanderveel's almost 
incredibly versatile. Like, you see him as a right back, but, you know, I could see Vanderbilt playing a number 10 and feeling completely comfortable in that role. I can see him playing a wing and feeling very comfortable in that role. Like, you know, we're saying this without seeing him play, right? So <laughs> there, there should be Fair a caveat enough. there. Yeah. Uh, we don't know, you know, his injury concerns. We don't know how motivated he is and things like that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a good signing, and I think it's a tr- you know credit to the scouting department of TFC who are able to. I think I think the difference between TFC and other clubs in MLS is that TFC is very proactive in terms of who they're willing to sign, and I think the fact they were successful last year is they can convince these guys, you know, come to our team. Da, da, da. Like it, it's interesting because we had probably the same conversation five years ago with all these guys going to LA or all these guys going to New York and my issue then is it wasn't the team aligned them to present themselves it was the league pushing guys in that direction so we didn't even have a shot right like we all know Toronto is is a good livable city as New York and Los Angeles so just give us a fair deal and we can convince guys to come here but now I think the league is you know to maybe to their detriment I think the league is allowing individual clubs to dictate how they wish to develop yeah and and you know Toronto has a great advantage there and so it's not surprising that they're capable of attaining these players sure and so on still on the uh, the Vanderveel uh, topic you know the one things I think just for the listener that we should throw out there that you know I've spoken to a couple of listeners and friends who've noted that like uh, you know he was I think his last two years have been rather yeah. disappointing yeah right sure. he was in Turkey yeah he was loaned out right? and he was t- and he had a ter- apparently I think it was uh, was it Fenerbahce it was Fenerbahce right possibly yeah. and he did awful okay right and uh, but and then I was like looking that up and it was like because <laughs> he got swindled for a ton of money oh yeah yeah that's and I'm like too, I, yeah. you know I don't know how motivated or or you know passionate I'd be if I was out half a million dollars within my first month of being on a team. So if, if I've got that accurate, I know it was in that ball. And then, of course, you know, he goes to Syria and it's like not the most glam, you know, coming from Ajax and PSG. So that's the only thing I think when I'm thinking about Vanderbilt's, I also look, look at him and I think he fancies himself as a bit of like an icon kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like that's my only red flag. Is like I, well, hope, again, I hope he's still in funny. it for the for the. To, it's to interesting play. because I've talked to now now mostly dealing with younger players, but I've talked in the great examples in England League, right? Like I've talked to, to MLS clubs directly about recruiting youth players from England because alternatively, if they don't if they can't make it to a Premier League and don't come to MLS. They'll be stuck in the third or fourth division in England need to reprove themselves to work their way self back up to the Premier League, right? And so, yeah, I think that that's an advantage MLS can present itself, and China was doing this as well, is like, we know you're not at PSG quality anymore. Instead of embarrassing yourself and going to a lower division club or to a country that doesn't seem as desirable. Yeah, or non glamorous club in Syria, yeah, that kind of thing. Come right? to come to MLS and, you know, enjoy yourself again, right? You know, there was an interesting documentary, which I think people can still get, about youth development in England. And and the story, there's a story of a kid who was who was signed by West Ham and never got an opportunity and he's playing college soccer in the States now. Now I think his aspirations are a bit <laughs> miffed, like cause he thinks he's gonna come here and then automatically be an MLS star, which Again, I think is asking a lot, even with Vanderbilt. But the, you know, the opportunity to enjoy the game again, 
Yeah. And hopefully, you know, I think that's what Vanderbilt can do. And again, I think anybody, if you're playing on Barcelona, for example, you're going to have fun doing it, yeah. right? Because you're going to be able to score goals. You're going to have the one, and then the sort of flip back on my my you know red flags. Yeah. You know, the two things I would I would add to on Vanderbilt is one that you know when we talked about this. You know, when even when you know Vanny was new. Yeah. The one thing we gave credit him gave him credit for was when he was trying to sign players after that first year, and he says, "I'm going to sign play people who have won things before." Sure. And I think I think that means something. Yeah. And and I think I think it's interesting that and I want, I'm sure it's, it might have been intentional. It's like if we're going to keep winning, hey, let's look at a guy who's kept winning. Sure. As as someone to come into this team, and I'm like, yeah, that that makes sense. Like this guy not only knows how to win, mm-hmm. he's won again and again and again. he's won back to back more than once. Yeah. So that's something to think about. And then the other one was, oh right, was I was like, he's Dutch. The most direct people, maybe aside the Germans, oh, okay, that okay. you know, just won't. T- I, you know, I, I put that icon thing out there, but on the flip side, you know, they're fucking blunt, yeah. and they won't. They'll let you know. Well, the other, you know what I mean. If, yeah. if shit's not right, they'll yeah. say it out loud, like Coverman saying, "We are the worst team in the world." You know, <laughs> that's not exactly good PR good for, press, the, for good on the team you play for. You know yeah. what I mean? But he said it, and it yeah. was true, right? They'll say the truth. Well, and another thing too, just um, is is that I think he's had a similar past couple of years as Vasquez had before he came to Toronto. You know, yeah. Vasquez was in, true, in even Mexico, Cruz Azul, and he never yeah. really. In hindsight, we think that Cruz was all fucked up, but at the time, we don't know what the situation was, and, and arguably that could be the same thing with Vanderbilt. So yeah, again, I think no, I'm I'm certainly um, impressed with the signing, and I, you know, on paper, I think it will be successful in terms of um, what's the name thing. Akeche, let's go Akeche. Akeche. So you know um, what? I'm, we're probably saying it wrong, and yeah. people who know how to pronounce his name are so annoyed, but. Yeah. Hey man, you did it last time. Just email okay. in and let us know how to say it correctly, and it'll only be one. We'll try our best. And only do this one podcast. I think so. The, let's go to I Edgar think, yeah, I think the assignment of Akeche first tells us we still live in a seller cap system, right? Because if Toronto had an unlimited budget, I think we could get five or six Vanderbilts just because of the desire to play with Toronto and the ability, you know, the 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 players out there, right? Um, so Akeche is a younger guy. He he's been in uh, Atletico Bilbao's system. Um, mostly played most of his games in their uh, reserve team, and then last year I think he was Cadiz. He was yep, Cadiz, low, Cadiz, Cadiz, Cadiz yeah. loaned out. I think the question, you know, certainly if you see him, highlights of him, he doesn't have any real athletic upside, but he certainly has a lot of technical ability and technical skill, and he fits a lot of what MLS is going towards, the sort of fast-playing guys who, instead of thinking on the ball, they can make a quick pass and quick pass and move and things like that so yeah i think it's it's interesting because i thought azario had a, had a very good game against colorado so i think azario is like i think the bigger story it's funny because saying it now but i think the bigger story is i think we're no longer going to see the 5-3-2 in most games i think we're going to go to a 4-4-2 um mostly a diamond you know if you call it a diamond um and so i that would say that azario's penciled in as a starter but I think Akeche is and Azario are going to be fighting for that position. If you want the added grit that Delgado provides you, but it's those three are sort of interchangeable in the midfield. And again, I think yeah, I think it will just add to the flair of the team, right? Because you know, as we saw in the Colorado game, um, and same with the Aurora, the Brazilian guy, yeah. is our capability of moving the ball and controlling the ball was was I probably ironically partly because of Colorado, but ironically in that game. It's probably the best I've seen Toronto play, 
right? Like the ball control. Like like the irony is his last season because I just did a preview article. I think Toronto was 12th in possession. So now part of that was game state. We were up, so we, there's no reason to control the ball. But we were never really a Barcelona-esque possession type team. And I think these guys give you the capabilities of doing that. These guys can, you know, you can Olay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get your Olays ready because I think there'll be a, quite a few of that going on this year. Yeah, and I think, like, the, my closing thoughts, you know, and if I, if I put in Akeshi in there, you know, I'm kind of, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I kind of feel like I'm hoping I'm going to get wrong, like Vasquez on him because my no, instinct is there's a lot, you watch the highlights, and I'm like, you can't judge a guy on his highlights sure and you know there's a lot of hype and i mean his, and his highlights are great i mean his free kick taking is is great and he's got a nice left foot yeah um you know he's, he's clearly got the capability to score yeah but um you know you keep you have to be like oh yeah why is he playing in an empty stadium oh, he, because, because he yeah, wasn't because yeah. you couldn't you know what i mean there's a reason yeah. why he was he wasn't playing in or the liga sorry is that you know so you got to kind of put keep that in the back of your head but then it's like i flip my that around and be like you know, we, I, I thought the same thing about Vasquez last year at the start. You know, we were cautious. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I do think until you see some guys get out in MLS mm-hmm. and play for a bit, you know, give them maybe that first month or two. I mean, obviously, we've judged Vasquez and Mavinga. Yeah, and and yeah. we have a history of judging guys in their first games. Well, again, I think it, it's funny because I do, in my work, I basically follow hundreds of thousands of players. And I was going over the recent January transfer window and Alvaro Ray got transferred to a Greek team, right? He still oh. existed. He was playing in Spain, and now he's playing with, uh, you know, a lower-tier Greek Super League team, Zanthi? right? One of those. I know. One of those. Yeah, That's the Guzman's old team. Okay, okay. So, so to me, it's like, uh, you know, certainly we never were high. I don't think you were ever high in Alvaro Ray when he was playing with Toronto. I was never high in Alvaro Ray. Um, but when you're on a successful team, those guys can sort of fit in and do a role and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, the irony with Azteque is if he isn't successful, I don't think he's going to be the reason the team is not a success or is a success. I don't think he's bearing on the team is going to be as substantial as Vasquez was last year. And if he loses out, he loses out to Zario. Why are you going to be upset? <laughs> you know, yeah. you want that to happen, right? I hope that Zero proves to be a better player than Azteque and, and can take over that central midfield role. So yeah, I, you yeah. know, like like again, I you know, it's you know, you mentioned before again before the pod, you mentioned how people are trying to write stories for this season either by Toronto not being as proactive in terms of the off-season signings or hyping up guys which you always see that they do sign. They don't need to be that. You know, we we had this conversation with, earlier with Kubel and all those like those guys don't need to be impactful players, right? right? They just need to exist. And I think it's added depth because if we do lose guys, like let's say, you know, now the the, the, the irony is my concern with Vasquez coming into Toronto wasn't his ability, but that he was kind of injury prone, that he was injured in Mexico and that he was injured and that, that's how he ended his career in Belgium. So let's say hypothetically Vasquez gets injured, you know, I'm not worried of Azteca in there. Or let's say it's the Canadian champion and, and we got these other guys, our reserve team in. I'm more impressed with our reserve team today than I would have been, you know, 12 months ago. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the statements I was going to say, kind of coming out of that, and and still when we talk about Akeche and his role, you know, when I saw that sign, I looked, and I was like, you know, I don't even know. I mean, he's an interesting player, lots of potential, but 
you know, I don't, I don't, again, I don't see him as being like a, you know, needing to be a huge factor in this season because I still think this year, and you said this going into this was like, I think this is a great quote going yeah. into the start, the MLS Cup final was like, our four best players are better than your four best players. Sure. Yeah. And when we look at this, the, you know, went through all the ins and outs and the transfers, I, I still think that's the case in a lot of instances with Toronto FC this year that our four best players are going to be better than a, almost every other team's four best players. So a guy like Akeche um, doesn't need to be the fifth. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, he, yeah. he isn't going to, I don't think he's going to well, be the Well, and my Akeche counterpoint is, you know, let's say he comes in, he's very impressive. He's young, right? So he's a guy who could potentially be a TFC player for the next two, three, four years, you know, which means that we'll be consistently good for the next period of time, right? Sure. Like, like, you know, again, if someone, you know, in the footballing world, if someone brought a young potential talent into the team a lot of that would be based on their success going forward than what they expect to bring into the team tomorrow yeah and I, you know the last thing i would just throw in there is like you know one thing i could see a catch a is like let's say god forbid jovinko goes down sure now i honestly think altador can carry the load yeah. as as the main strike striker sure and you have the supporting guys behind him and then you have a catch a who's your freak specialist yeah, as long as long yeah. with Vasquez, yeah. but you know what I mean. Like, uh, I think that might be a consideration. Yeah, and and then also I think it improves the low bar. So if a Chapman or a Hamilton or Fraser wants to be an MLS player, he now has to be better or equivalent to his tech to sure. play into TFC, which is asking a lot for them, you know, and so might not pan out. But again, you know, I think is a winning organization that's what you want right sure. you would want 12 11 Javinkos if you could have 11 Javinkos yeah <laughs> right so again I think you know it, yeah yeah and at worst it doesn't pan out looking at that team and we didn't we didn't run through every single play I don't know but the one thing I the kind of two last parts of this podcast I wanted to go over was maybe just talking about the league mm-hmm. and our thoughts on the league and you know and I'll start with this, Aaron, and then you. I know you can offer your thoughts on some of the teams we're up against. Sure, sure. But of course, you know, I'm looking at when I'm looking at the schedule. Oh, I didn't circle it, but I should have. You know, obviously our home opener is. We have two games this week: Colorado at home and Columbus. Mm-hmm. So those are obviously important games. You know, the away game to Montreal is the next one after that. Okay. Um, the other ones I circled were Seattle at home, which is going to be a big one. In September, we have back-to-back home game against LA teams, okay. which will be fun. And then season ends against Atlanta, mm. which is a great way to like wrap the season. And then I, I had it on my list, but then I guess I don't know why I didn't forget. I did want to flag the New York City games, which I don't think we face them until middle of the season. Okay. Okay. Like the, I don't think we face New York until summer, which will be interesting because you, you know, we we probably both think New York is still a top team, and that could be a very pivotal game. Yeah, I, I think personally, in my opinion, now Seattle's interesting because I don't think Seattle lost, lost, lost from last season, and so and then the LA, nice. LA Galaxy are the other interesting team because they did a lot of revamping over the off season. But to me, the top three teams in the league are Toronto, NYCFC, and Atlanta. Now, ironically, the, the games, the games that you didn't mention that I've, I'm most excited about are the ones against UNL, UNAL, Mexico. And the, and the Champions League, and I think that don't disrespect Colorado, Aaron. <laughs> well, don't th- do it. I think ironic, or, or I don't know, ironic's the word, but I think situationally, I think that's what TFC's thinking, right? I think TFC is is more interested in 
Mex the Mexican side than Columbus or Montreal or, or things like that. Now, again, I think the league, um, I think the league's improved from last year, and I think teams like Columbus, teams like Montreal are going to be interesting to watch um, in terms of talent. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird scenario because, you know, I can foreshadow all the upcoming podcasts sure. <laughs> by saying... If we do well, it's like, oh, yeah, Toronto's doing well. It's a great, oh, pitch ourselves. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> if Toronto's doing poorly, it's like, uh, who cares? It's, it's April. And this game's not going to matter much in the playoffs at the end of sure, the year. Sure, sure. So, so it's hard to be extra critical about, you know, where Toronto's supposed to finish and what's supposed to happen. I think, I think, I think the interesting thing is, and it's funny because I'm writing preview articles this year, but for an American outlet. And I think there was some pushback when we, when I was saying that Toronto's the best team all time in the league. And I still think that that's an overshadowing, you know, for lack of a better term, shadow in terms of the MLS. Like I, I still think Toronto is not as respected. It's amazing how little people in the States know about Montreal or Vancouver, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a, like I'm in fantasy league where you're drafting and I could draft the whole Vancouver and the whole Montreal team and no one in the league would even know that they exist, right? Yeah. So. What we don't get from coming from Toronto is how little, you know, because we're not on, most likely we're not on the ESPNs, we're not in the spiels and all that kind of stuff. So I still think Toronto can encourage themselves or motivate themselves by saying, hey, you know, we're not getting the full respect, respect that, that we yeah. deserve. And, and I think what you would need realistically, as proven with all the other leagues in the world, is you would need a Barcelona, Manchester City, performance yeah. to sort of identify yourself as this sort of iconic team and you know maybe 60 point 69 points is the goal beat 69 right yeah uh, or something to that nature to get the fans mode to get everyone motivated and again I think most fans of Toronto see especially when they go to games away they're gonna be completely flabbergasted how little respect this team is going to get and you know, so I think the motivation is like that's the funny thing. Like I think the word complacency can't really happen because no one's really complacent sure. around, right? Yeah. Like, like there isn't this sort of you know complacency is, is when you're really good and no one cares about you. And you know Atlanta Braves in baseball, there you know, or something like that. Right? Yeah. I don't think there's Toronto has any complacency regarding it. Right? Yeah. There's something I feel like there is. What's the word I'm looking? I mean, you want to be smart. You want to be you know you want to be rational about it. You'd be sure. like, yeah, you know this. These kind of things can happen, but you know. Then on the flip side, you know, you look at I look at the makeup of this team, and it's just like, you know, you you've seen Michael Bradley for the last three or four years, and it's just like I can't imagine him slipping like yeah. to that and letting that happen, and I can't imagine Altidore, yeah. especially when you see the way he speaks about this city, and I think the two things, like the way you talked about it, the, maybe the lack of respect around North America that this team maybe gets, mm -hmm. and then I also think. You know, like last year, I think one of the things that I really felt passionate about, and I was when the U.S. got knocked out, and those guys were getting booed, and I was yeah, like, yeah. "Yeah, fucking boo them! <laughs> well, I'll take them! I'll take these guys all day because they're better than all the players in this fucking league." Yeah. So yeah, boo them. Well, all, the I'll the irony them. is, and now maybe this is a bit getting caught up in the moment, <laughs> for lack of a better term. But you know, to me, Javinko, Altador, and Bradley are not getting worse. Right, especially Altador. I think Altador can come into his own far more than he has the past couple of seasons. But I could see Vasquez being in conversation with top ten player in the league. I could see Moro being in conversation for top defender league. I could see Bono being in conversation for top goalkeeper in the league. 
I can see Vanderbilt if he is what he is at PSG in that conversation as well. So this is a you know a dynamic team, right? And and again, I don't think there's any sort of you know I again I think you could split the team in half and still have two competitive teams in MLS. Like it, it's not you know again I think the the gap is is fairly extreme. So even in the case like like even the case that we were doing an, um, a Los Angeles Galaxy podcast and you did uh, where are they now with a lot of players on their team, you know like outside of Beckham and Keane and but a lot of those guys are what you know who yeah <laughs> right I think it'd be difficult to say who you know with Toronto and I would say you know as we saw with Bershaw Bershaw is going to be the starting right back for LAFC sure right like we are starters right you know yeah. I think if Delgado went across I think even a guy like Ricketts you know like who you know we're probably not going to mention the podcast scored seven goals last year yeah I think he could be he would have certainly been a better option than Badgie up front for Colorado sure yeah <laughs> um you know and you could argue with Hamilton or Chapman or any of those guys that you know put them on another put them on Montreal you see Raheem Edwards is probably going to be the starting left back in in Montreal right yeah. so I think that's the gap and, and I think the irony is because there's this non-complacency, the league has allowed us to get away with this. Yeah. And, and then I think after the season, it's not going to be a case of, oh, Toronto didn't live up to expectation or Toronto, you know, isn't whatever. It's like, how did we allow this team to, and the supposed to be parody league, how did we allow this team to be Pull what away. The, they became? Right? Well, you know what's interesting is I remember... I don't know if you were on that podcast. I, th- I think it was a Gaffer and Hooligan episode. And Kamal asked the question of, like, kind of like, you know, what... I think it was when we first had that first influx of players. So yeah. when Defoe came in, he's like, what can Toronto be? Like, it, what is our... I, I think the point is, I, my point was, our, we have an advantage of... That we should be taking advantage of. We have Deep Wallet. Yeah. You know, we have a great city. Yeah. And you fill up those gaps outside of the Deep Wallet, you know, intelligently... And you can really break away from the pack, and I think that's yeah. I think that's some of the things that we're seeing. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of our old conversation regarding TFC was certainly, you know, and then we can go back to the ten-year thing, but was frustration because it was there were idiots, right? Yeah. Like you know who you name it, Johnston, you know you name who it was. There were idiots. Burn, burn or anybody else. And sell me, you know. But no, there were idiots, right? And so and so it felt like. You know, it felt like, you know, like, again, you always get these extreme feelings, especially when you're passionate about something, but it felt like they're going to fuck this up, right? They're going to put us so much in the hole that we're never, ever going to be able to get out of this. And reality is, you know, that was a bit of over-exaggeration because I don't think we were ever in a hole as far as we might have thought we were in. And this is the potential. Like, arguably, I think we could have done this in 2007. Sure. You know, if you well, had smart football people, if you really knew right. what the and they didn't make was. excuses. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, you know, that's, and that's, again, that's where we're talking, the frustration. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the interesting thing I wanted to say, you know, we talked about these players, and, you know, it's like I put these flags up on a catch and whatnot, and it's almost like, you know, I mean, again, being a Toronto City supporter, especially when it comes to front front office and decisions, I think I have trust issues. You okay. know? <laughs> okay. And, but it's like, you're, I think... And I hope and I wonder, like, you know, do we come around to the points like last year we raised issues on Vasquez and Vasquez turned out to be phenomenal. And it's yeah. like, do, do, do we trust that? Yeah, no, no, do my, we trust them now that they've my, made the right thing? And here, okay, here's the first negative <laughs> view or not, not the first negative, but maybe contradictory view. 
Like, I don't think Toronto FC was built from scratch, right? I think Toronto FC was given $20 million, and all the other teams in the league were not given $20 million, and we're seeing what Atlanta's doing with their $20 million, right? So to say yeah. that this... Who can spend the $20 million better? <laughs> yeah, well, but that would be a competitive league. That would be a very good league, right? Yeah. Like, if the salary cap was $20 million instead of $3 million, you know, I would feel sorry for the American and Canadian players, but the competition would be exciting, right? And so some teams are doing that, or a couple of teams are doing that, but not most of the teams aren't doing that, right? So I would go, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'll give credit to everybody at TFC, you know, and I know some of them personally, and, and you know, I don't know if he's ever been mentioned, <laughs> but, you know, Jack Dodds is the guy who's the head scout for He was TFC. just on their podcast. Oh, was he? Okay, yeah, okay. He's, so, so yeah, I've always there. been, I've always been, like, I met with him when he first got the job, and I've always been quiet. Because I didn't, you know, I didn't know if they wanted to keep it sort of, you know, under veil kind of thing. But, um, you know, I, he worked, he was, he was, he had an interesting position because I think he was VP, or certainly sales, was a company called Scout9, which is this sort of scouting service, video service that they sell to individual clubs. And so he was responsible speaking with football directors at every team saying, this is a service we want to sell you. So his Rolodex in terms of accessing players, you know, you, you have Bobby Leonard using, let's say hypothetically, who, you know, might know Colin Miller, but who else does he know, compared to this guy who, you know, first personal with, with sure. all the top clubs in Europe, right? So, so you know, there's the advantage. But, you know, and part of that is I'm sure he's probably getting paid better than most head scouts in the league. So there's, you know, part of what money gives you. Yep. But yeah, no, no, I think the team's been very smart. But I would I would like to think that it's a collective effort opposed to an individual effort, right? Sure. And and you know, and credit to them. You know, I I think they all deserve their credit. I think that that's what but I, like again, I think historically it was more the people in the position in the past fucking up than the ones now. You know, it looks like they're doing this fantastic job and they are. But I think the gap it's more expressive to how bad we were in the past sure. than how good we are ahead of everybody else now. And, and you'll see that around the league this year, right? Like, like it's funny because, again, I think Toronto will be a dominating team in this league, but I think the other teams have done very well. You know, like, you know, my role at Red Nation Online was sort of writing these articles of what to expect from MLS going forward. And I would almost say that almost everything I wrote has happened, right? So... A lot of these guys, the scouting ranges for teams are so much greater. The, you know, the type of players they're playing, the type of style of soccer they're playing is much better. So the league's improving, but Toronto's just <laughs> we, they've allowed Toronto to become this super team, and, and that's why I think you'll see this year too. Yeah, so the last the, to kind of wind down and out. I think the last the last question or last segment is simply, you know, what is the season about? You know, what is the benchmark? You know, predictions and expectations. I think it's difficult, but I want CCL. Because not only will you... Now, ironically, because it will conflict with the playoffs. <laughs> but not only will you get CCL, but then you'd also get invited to that world championship tournament in in in. Oh, right. If in, you get in, in then December, it'd be, it'd In December, yeah, okay. right? So, um, which means you'll be potentially playing... Um, you know, Barcelona or Chelsea or, or River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or Liverpool. Or Liverpool. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and that would be amazing, right? And that would change the sort of context of what the season is and what the league is and everything like that. I think minimum expectation is that we win the league. 
right? And and I again, I, I go into that not saying that we have to win the league and not saying I'm going to be hating the world if we don't, but I think they're capable of doing that, and I think that that's what you have to have, right? Yes. I think it'd be difficult. I think for me, I'm like, uh, you know, I think in the end of the year, I was sort of like lukewarm on the Champions League. I think I was lukewarm on the Champions League, but then, you know, I've... You know, my, my my thought on, like, Toronto FC has always been, like, you know, when they've, they've always set the bar low. Yeah. I'm like, why can't we have it all? Like, why can't, like, why why can't I just be, yeah, fuck, I want to win the Champions League, and I want to win the MLS. Like, I want it all. And it's like, I don't see why you can't, especially when you look at this team, well, have I, that. <laughs> the irony is that was me three years ago. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyways, my point being, the one thing I want to throw out there is, you know, the, traditionally what we've seen is a deep cha- Champions League run has mostly hurt teams at the start of the season. Sure. And then the only thing I would harken back to, to to flag that for people is that, now of course when we did that, I mean that was a bizarro team, but the Galaxy also had a, a run and they had a very poor start to the season, yet they still went on to win the MLS Cup. Sure. And that's something I want to like plant that down, you know, plant that flag and say like whatever happens at the start of the season... I, w- I trust that the makeup of this team is good enough that if, if we're great at the start yeah, and that goes I, on, I if, would, it, if it I isn't, would, I wouldn't be that concerned. My, my one, I guess, added positiveness towards Toronto is the engine of Bradley. I don't think he, he's... I think he'll want to play every... I think he'll play, want to play Wednesday and Sunday or whenever the games are, are scheduled. I think Javinko and Altador are the same, have that same sort of motivation. Um, and then, as I said, I think this is a team certainly playing off confidence. And so I think the notion is, is you want the team to be as confident as hell going through. And, and I think it will be almost like, um, it's one of those things where you almost think that the, um, and, it, and we felt a lot of this last year, it almost feels like the, what you're trying to attain seems more difficult than it is. And then you get to there and it's like, oh, this is what we were scared of. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, oh. You know, and again, I think UNL or UNL, Mex- or um, Tigres, Tigres or whatever, I think are exciting, right? And I think potentially can be a stumbling block for Toronto. But if Toronto goes in there, let's say we go into Mexico hypothetically and win two nothing, then then where do we stand, right? Yeah. Like like you yeah, know like roadblocks, right? Like roadblocks are roadblocks. <laughs> but um, again, I don't think to be honest with you, I think this is a new experience because certainly when Montreal was going through their Champions League, they were never favorite going you know part of the excitement of them was is these great underdogs playing against these big teams no i think i think toronto's ccl favorite i think toronto's canadian champions league favorite or canadian champions i think toronto's uh mls favorites yeah. and i think they deserve all of those all credits yeah yeah and, I, and you know i'm throwing in this last caveat because i was thinking you know obviously when we look we talked about some players and we talked about this in the last podcast we mentioned liam fraser I'm wondering, you know, it's like, and this is, you know, something that you and I talk about as just a general interest in terms of player development. Mm. Where does that fit into this season, do you think? You know, are there any players that, you know, who is it? Uh, Io uh, Akinola. Okay, Akinola, yeah. Right? And so, you know, he's a player that's moved up to the senior squad. Sure. So, you know, do we see any, do we see any, any kind of breakthroughs or do we, or where are those opportunities going to come now because the team is so deep? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It, it's almost as if um, MLS doesn't give enough minutes to players, right? Like we're not playing, especially the way CCL has been sort of changed now to just be this knockout tournament. There isn't a huge amount of games, right? Like realistically, I think, was it seven? If they play, if there's six or 
Yep. Six CCL. Yeah. Two, you know, so there's 40 games. 42, oh, then the playoffs. Okay, so you're looking at 50 games? At most. At yeah, most, yeah, yeah. right? So, yeah, I think, again, I think it's interesting because in the general conversation, you know, we overlook guys like Ricketts. We overlook Zavalet and Hagelin. And I would almost say that those guys have more rights to playing minutes than an Akinla or a Fraser or a Chapman or a Hamilton. So, you know, again, I think it will still be an ongoing debate across the league. You know, are these young guys getting their fair opportunities and, you know, are they developing and, and stuff like well, that? Well, that was, you've had that discussion. When you, you know, we talked about Marco Bustos last year. Yeah. And then that got cited with a slew of American players, too, that I wasn't that familiar with. But when you look at them, it's like, oh, shit, they were highly touted. You know, oh, yeah. 18, well, no, the, ir- the irony now is, is this is a public conversation. And I, you know, I even tweeted it today, actually, that this was a conversation I was bringing up four years ago, right? Campiel certainly will help with that. And so that's, you know, Canadians benefit that there's that potential coming down the road. I think, I think, you know, in terms of development, I think that just, you know, I think the issue was or is, is, is that MLS generally is never proactive, right? Individual teams are proactive. Certain things that happen are proactive. So I don't think MLS, MLS was developing players five years ago to play in MLS five years ago, right? And so unfortunate for a lot of the younger players now coming through, they're not capable of being starters in the new MLS. They were capable of being good players three, four years ago. So I think what you need at the development level or the academy level is you need to be really proactive and say, this is where we see the league going to be in five years. So if we're going to develop you, you have to play to this capacity in five years time. And I think that that's what's going to require, right? right? Because, you know, I don't see teams like, you remember when Toronto played DC United, I think four years ago or five years ago, and DC United was in the Open Cup. So they put out, you know. <laughs> that was one of our everybody. few wins that year, Aaron. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't necessarily see Toronto doing that. Which that would, game, yeah, funny that's you what you would have up. to do to, to give everybody minutes, right? Brent DK scored in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Navarro Ray might have scored in that game. <laughs> But Jeremy Brokey. Yeah, I think that's what you would need Drop to do. Drop some names here. That was a, I think that was a 4-1 win. Yeah. Who was that guy in, on DC that was no, like a... That. He was a highly touted... U- Seton? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jamaican guy. But yeah. yeah. Am I thinking the right guy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, Anyways, there's but... a little segue. So, the only last thing I'm going to say, Aaron, is that I didn't... You know, when we talked about the season, I, I, my benchmark is simply the final. For okay. the season, but well, you, want, the, you want to lose the final? No, no, I want. No, I want to make it. <laughs> okay, look, I don't okay, want to okay. lose the final. I'm saying, look, because because I would say this, man, fucking anything can happen in the final. We experienced that two years ago. Yeah. But I I expect that they they you know another final appearance is that's the that's what we're going for. Yeah, I I think the interesting question, and you'll feel this when you do your podcast throughout the year, is the Toronto fan base how to appreciate this and not become complacent, right? You know because. Arguably, if we're talking finals, we're also talking hosting finals. And does that become second nature since we've done it the last two years? Like, you know, I think part of there is, like, you know, certainly not everybody in Toronto is a TFC fan. So I think part, and I've seen that. I've seen goofy media articles that are selling to the non-soccer people opposed to TFC, you know, alumni, TFC fans or fan base. But, yeah, that will be to me. Yeah. Is, is, you know, how do you appreciate a team that is doing very well 
and and embrace it. Yeah, and and I think that will be the interesting thing to me. Yeah, and I, and I just like to tip my hat off to Alex because he'll know what I'm talking about. That yeah, there are some articles out there, or some or some media stuff that you're just kind of like. I think that, and I, I, you know, it's like we, you and I have these discussions, and you know, some of the people that we have on this pod, I think, are all in the same boat. Where it's like, you know, since we've been there from 2007, and we've really fucking sat through some real misery, that I'm just careful to I think now what I'm going to complain about. Yeah, I've always criticized things that deserve to be criticized. Sure, but you know what I mean, like the off season. I mean. I just, I'm like, I, I'd be fuddled that if anyone would criticize our office, well, again, what I that think, would I be about. You certainly give benefit of the doubt since we've won, right? You know, I think there is an issue always when you win something, your leaks have to make changes because, first of all, you want to respect the people who got you there. Second of all, you don't feel as motivated to make changes. And, and you know, and you have seen complacent teams in MLS fall out, you know, Galaxy... Galaxy were worse than Minnesota last year, right? Yep. Like, you know, and they're an, an example of a team that fell off the map because they were probably too confident and couldn't compete. Um, so, yeah, I do, but um, certainly exciting. And, again, I think there might be a reassessment after the series with UNL Mexico because I'm first excited. I don't know if we're the first home game or the second home game, but I'm excited to see the attention towards that, like if, if the, the desire for tickets, like I'd be interested to see what the desire for the tickets in Colorado game is, but I'll be interested in that. And I'll be interested to see if we can get gripped by CCL fever, <laughs> because to me, that's exciting. Yeah. Right? And then, and then it'll be interesting. I think generally, especially when we're having these podcasts in August, I think the, the word will be like, or especially world cup, right? That they'll, oh yeah, we're good, we're trying, and we'll get there. Yeah. But, but then, you know, hopefully you'll get that again. You'll yeah. get that huge... The only answer I'd say to that is, I think, and I think most people would agree, some of the best nights at BMO have been Champions League games. Yeah. Now, obviously, the last two years, like, last two years of playoffs excluded. Yeah. Um, before those, like, the, there's the moments I'm talking about. You know what I mean? The moments in the past that you're kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot about those, because we've had such a great last three, yeah, yeah, three yeah, yeah, years. Yeah. Cruz Azul, uh, Montagua, Santos, uh, and even Tigres, yeah. right? Like yeah. or Pumas, sorry, Pumas, yeah. and Santos Laguna. Like those were, fuck man, those were some great nights. And it's like, I just think back on those in the in the in the atmosphere in the stadium was really good. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like again, the weeknight games, you know, not as many kids, right? Come oh, out, yeah. So it's yeah. like it's a little bit more, a little bit more hardcore. So I think I think I think if they get through. Um, Tigres I think it will I think that next round will be and a to, big and deal. to add on what I want this season or what I expect from this season it'll be interesting to see how Toronto grabs the rest of the Toronto population in terms of recognizing TFC as this sort of dominant sports entity yeah. in the city and, and you know how much interest that grabs and, and all that kind of stuff I think yeah, it'll be yeah. very interesting um, okay, uh, Aaron, I think that I think we've covered pretty much most of everything. You have a preview coming up. We yeah. wanted to mention that. So you're, you, you, <laughs> I don't know, though. But. Not, <laughs> okay. It's fine. It's like, I'm a traitor. You're well, not at all. You're not at all. You're not at all. It's like, hey, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to give the, the listener any freaking updates on the website. It's just, things have slowed down. you got to okay. take care of yourself. Yeah. So what's it called? Is it Amer- it's Amer- American uh, Soccer, soccer analysis? analysis. And they're doing... 
basically analytical previews. Well, I think they're copying my idea because I was the first to come up with that concept. But they're doing analytical previews of all teams and using sort of statistical analysis, but also general previews. And for the most part, um, the writers of the previews are local people, so they're very in, aware of their local team. Now, they asked me, this American, so they asked me to do all three Canadian teams. And hopefully I gave a fair assessment of Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto. Um, yeah, and I think they're very good previews. And, and to me, they remind me of sort of, you know, going back in the day, but they kind of remind me of the preview magazines that you would get, you know, for all sports in, in the magazine shop. Very detailed, you know, and really keeps you up to date in terms of what you expect from that team and, you know, all the happening and stuff like that. Right, so, so it's American soccer. If you were on looking on Twitter, it'd be American soccer yeah, analysis. Yeah, ASA or American soccer analysis. Yeah, yeah and everyone knows they get you at EMB Sports. Yep. Um, do you still put stuff on Prospect 11? Uh, not as much, but you can It's still alive? It's still alive. Don't look at it. Um, and everyone knows, I'm at Clark RNO. You can still get me at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. This is a season preview, so by the time this, this is live, we'll be looking at uh, Colorado at home. We're going to that game. But for sure, um, Steve and I will be there next weekend yeah. for the Colorado or the Columbus home opener. And uh, we'll get the season kicked the off. Austin crew. It's gonna be, oh yeah, fuck. The Aztecs. We'll call them the, the Columbus Aztecs. How about that? Okay, so uh, thanks again, uh, guys, for listening, and we'll uh, catch you next weekend. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online. From the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, and our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.